Welcome to another episode of Yesterday's Capers. I'm Abdullah Molim and every week I'll be bringing you the very best shows from the past that the world has to offer. Happy Black History Month! Yes, it's that time again and for the next month we'll be looking back at some of the most memorable black cartoons and TV shows. This week we're talking cartoons as we look back at Mr. T, Hammerman and the outrageous Mike Tyson mysteries. Woo! What a cartoon! So, let's get started. And uh, joining me as ever is uh, producer Paul. Hey man, how's it going? I don't know where I find these cartoons. Like Black Dynamite from last year, Mike Tyson Mysteries. Yeah, I mean, Mike Tyson Mysteries isn't as bad as Black Dynamite. Um... I think some of the episodes I watched, I think it was up there. I mean, The Pigeon. (laughs) The Pigeon was like the best (laughs) character ever. I loved him. (laughs) Oh, but you know what? Actually, this week, I think I'm... This week is quite good, actually. Might have a... Actually, no, no, no. I actually know what my um, top three is already, so... uh... I think I've got mine sorted as well, but I think that'll probably become readily apparent during the show (laughs) right so without further ado let's let's get right into it so we're going to start with uh, mr t because that's uh chronologically the first thing that uh had come out so we're going back to september 1983 and there's some of the things happening in the world arnold schwarzenegger becomes a united states citizen Vanessa Williams becomes the first African-American to be crowned Miss America in Atlantic City, New Jersey. St. Kitts and Nevis becomes an independent state. The Big Chill was in the cinemas. And Tonight I Celebrate My Love by Peebo Bryson and Roberta Flack was in the charts. So we're going to start, yeah, with uh, Mr. T which was a, an American animated series featuring the popular actor Mr. T. And the series was produced by Ruby Spears Enterprises, so Joe Ruby and Ken Spears. I think that's a, a name that I've heard quite a lot as a kid, and you're seeing their logo. I think they started off life at Hanron Barbera. So if you did see some similarities. Yeah, I was going to say this was like a Hanron Barbera cartoon. Like, it was, up. yeah. But um, yeah, I think they kind of worked for them for a little bit and then they kind of branched out and kind of did their uh, own thing. But I think they still had uh, the relationship. I'm sure they credited Hannah and Barbera, didn't they? I don't think they did, no. Is this, this is a uh, Ruby Spears Enterprises. But um, I think I think they did some like, I think they did some Scooby-Doo stuff. The whole thing was Scooby-Doo, just with different characters. It was, um no, but they did, um I think they kind of did a, their own version of, 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 of Scooby-Doo. And I think, yeah, they did quite a few cartoons, particularly in the um, in the 80s. So, uh, yeah, so this uh, cartoon stars Mr. T as a coach to a gymnastics team with um, specific emphasis on members Jeff, Woody, Robin and Kim. And they're traveling the world while becoming involved in and solving various mysteries. At the beginning of each episode, a live action introduction featuring Mr. T himself is shown to explain what's going on and at the end of each episode mr t narrates a moral lesson for the audience i was saying some of the uh, the characters so there was mr t 
There was he's he's the head of the um, gymnastics team. Miss Priscilla Bisbee, who's the team's well-mannered bus driver who loves mystery novels, and her catchphrase is "My stars and garters." Jeff Harris is like the wise guy of the team with a big ego. Woody Daniels, who's like a black gymnast and Jeff's friendly rival, and he hopes to become a lawyer when he retires from gymnastics. There's Robin, who's a beautiful green-eyed redhead with freckles. Green-eyed redhead. I've never heard of a green-eyed redhead. I think normally isn't a redhead um, something to do with the uh, the pigment in the in the skin and the, and so normally they have blue eyes, right? Normally, yeah. But she also acts as Mr. T's second in command, and her catchphrase is "What the hairy heck." Kim Nakamura is a Japanese girl who is a daughter to a computer scientist. And she has a photographic memory that comes in handy as she can remember various magazine articles and book passages, including the issue of volume and the page she read it on. Spike is Robin's little brother, who is brilliant. He loves um, he loves Mr. T and he's always trying to do the voices and he dresses like him. And Oh, is he putting the voice on? I wonder what was that with his voice? Because he, he he likes Mr. T. Like, he sees him as, like, a hero and whatnot. And we never know his real name, though. Uh, I mean, at one Just, point, I thought he had one of those little... Do you know those things you put on your neck to yeah. make, make yourself talk if you lost your voice box? But No, but you could see how he's dressed. I thought he was... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I just didn't realise he was putting on the voice. He just sounded quite robotic. Yeah. And then there's Sky, who's a Native American gymnast. And Garcia... Garcia Lopez, who's a Latin American gymnast whose big brother Miguel is an archaeologist and he's a keen photographer. There's Vince D'Amato, who's an Italian American who has dreams of being a movie star. Courtney Howard, a black girl gymnast whose father is a major in the military and her uncle is a magician who was previously a burglar. Grant Klein, who's an ex gang member who turned his life around thanks to Jeff. And Bulldozer is Mr. T's bulldog with a similar mohawk, and he's called Dozer for short. Before I pass on to you, just a quick note on uh, Mr. T. So, he was born Lawrence Turad in Chicago, Illinois, and he was the youngest son in a family with 12 children and four sisters, and so it's four sisters and seven brothers, and they grew up in a three-room apartment in the Robert Taylor Homes in Chicago. In 1970, he legally changed his name to T. His new name, yeah, he changed his name to Mr. T. And it was based upon his childhood impressions regarding the lack of respect from white people for his family. And what he said was, and I quote, I think about my father being called boy, my uncle being called boy, my brother coming back from Vietnam and being called boy. So I questioned myself, what does a black man have to do before he's given the respect as a man? So when I was 18 years old, when I was old enough to fight and die for my country, old enough to drink, old enough to vote, I said I was old enough to be called a man. I self-ordained myself Mr. T, so the first word out of everybody's mouth is Mr. That's a sign of respect that my father didn't get, that my brother didn't get, that my mother didn't get. That is... That's quite deep, actually. That's quite Incredible, deep. yeah. I just, everyone just thinks, oh yeah, Mr. T, Mr. T, I pity the fool. But I read that and it made me look at him in a completely different way. That That's actually incredible. I'm going to take that and pretend that it's my knowledge and tell all my friends. 
(laughs) (laughs) Do it, man. Do it. And obviously, he was in the A-team. He played Sergeant Bosco Baracus or B.A. Baracus, who is an ex-army commando on the run with other members of the United States government for a crime they didn't commit. As well as the tough guy, B.A. Baracus was a genius mechanic but afraid of flying. When asked at a press conference whether he was stupid as B.A. Baracus, Mr. T observed quietly, it takes a smart guy to play dumb. I've actually heard of this... um, quote from uh, Mr. T and in Rocky 3 he was um, originally intended to just have just a yeah just a few lines he was uh, eventually cast as Clubber Lang the primary antagonist his catchphrase I pity the fool comes from that film and asked obviously the line is if he hates Rocky and he replies no I don't hate Balboa but I pity the fool and he also entered the world of professional wrestling in 1985 he was Hulk Hogan's tag team partner in the first WrestleMania as they faced off against Roddy Piper and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. But uh, when he arrived, security wouldn't let his entourage in the building and Mr. T was ready to skip the show until Hulk Hogan personally talked him out of leaving. God, what would have happened to the main event if he'd left? But um, yeah, that was uh, Mr. T. So uh, let's talk about this cartoon. This cartoon was all right. It was very Hannah and Barbera. The whole the whole thing was Hannah and Barbera, kind of like a the Scooby Doo kind of thing. They have like a mystery to solve or some baddies to get or to capture and things like that. Um, I didn't realize there was that many characters in it. You listed off like hundreds of characters. I mean, I, I remember like Woody, Robin. Mr. T and um, Dozer. Yeah. That's like, that's my... Uh, <laughs> Did you remember like... this as a kid? No, but I, I had a I had a book, I think, of the same thing. Um, so I had a Mr. T book, and I remember reading that. I can't remember what was on about it, uh, what, what the book was about, but I remember reading the actual book, and it had his picture on the front, and, and I remember all his gold and stuff like that. I think it was about his jewellery. But I can't remember. Yeah, I think that's because he's um, he wears the jewelry because it's like a, a African tribe thing. I was reading that's why he kind of has all those um, jewelries. But um, yeah, I actually remember this. I kind of remember it growing up, seeing it on TV. So like Mr. T, that little kind. Of- and and whatnot. I can remember that as a kid. I remember it being on TV in the mornings before going to school. I think it's one of those cartoons that kind of popped up every now and then. Uh, like, do you remember like Pingu was where we were speaking about it when Pingu and like it would be on once and then you'd never know when it was on again. I don't remember it being on in a specific time slot. Hmm. But no, but no, I um I really like this. I thoroughly enjoyed this cartoon. I really did. I thought it was good. Like I said, Spike was a revelation. I loved him. He would do the Mr. T voice. He would try and be like him. He would try and act like him. You can see he's wearing the clothes. He's got like the ripped... Ripped sleeves. Yeah, ripped sleeves. Like He, he, looked, he looks the part. He sounds the part. He's, he's great. Like I... I was, it's one of those where I, I genuinely enjoyed it. I like that it's got like a, a moral lesson. 
treating people with respect and and what have you. You've got to look at all these cartoons and the, the moral lesson, maybe not um, Mike Tyson's mysteries, but um, the the moral lesson in these uh, things is it's not even like a uh, they're doing something with like a moral of the story. They literally stop it dead and tell you what you should and be shouldn't be doing. You know, it's like it's kind of you have to think about what was the situation in society that it was released in for this to be needed to be so on the nose you know like it's not even like a, a, a under the kind of uh radar kind of moral you know where you pick up on it because this is what they do this is literally like no stop you should do this you shouldn't do that and this is how you treat people this is how you don't treat people you know yeah and i remember i think the first episode i think we'll talk about episode shortly but i just remember like how he was saying oh my first name is was that oh I'm Mr T first name Mr middle name period last name T and I was like surely that's not his real name and then obviously that's when I did the research finding out his name and 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 everything that goes with it and yeah like I ended up like out of all of this I ended up having like a lot of time for for Mr for Mr T yeah I have to say it does add whenever you hear something like that it does add a lot more a lot more substance to the um to the thing that you're actually watching yeah absolutely and um I've got a lot of time for him i don't it's a it's a shame like he didn't i don't know if he necessarily did kick on after a team after being in um rocky three and I mean, he's very iconic, though. There's not many people around that don't know who Mr. T is, even though he hasn't done, if you look at it. I haven't seen anything he's done, maybe one A-Team episode, this thing, and Rocky Three. I haven't seen that much that he's been in, do you know what I mean? Uh, so it's quite, a, it's quite a successful character to be that well-known and not have done that much, if you see what I mean. I don't want to like belittle anyone's career, but I'm just talking about, like, some people work their whole career to be known and, you know, might just make it. But do you, do you understand? Or does that make yeah, sense? yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll probably have to do that when we uh, someday, one day, talk about the A-team. Yeah. Because um, we'll have to do that. But, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about episodes we watched. Um, right. So I think I watched the first one, which was, was it The Mystery of the Golden Medallions? Yeah, that's yeah. the first episode. Yeah, so um, my notes are probably going to be quite sparse because um, watching this with a two-year-old is not the easiest thing in the world. Um, oh, did he not like this then? It wasn't interested. Uh, <laughs> so um, <laughs> it was uh, I had to put on uh, um, Peppa Pig whilst I was watching this. So I was watching this on my phone, and um, he was watching. He had the big telly. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, so um, there's like these American gymnasts, and they're in this kind of competition uh and you see someone swipe the medals and the and there's this new guy called woody and basically all the other all the other gymnasts are bullying him and like they don't want to what don't want him to be part of the of the group <laughs> and they're, they're actually being really horrible they're like saying oh don't give him time of the day and telling everyone not to like him and um and then they, they, I think the Americans win, and they're like, "Oh, let's get the medals," and then they don't get the medals. Oh yeah, because this guy gets the new guy gets a ninety-nine point nine or whatever. Is it not ninety-nine point nine? Like literally, like one of the best, if not the best, you can get, right? Um, and they're like, "Oh," and then he, so they, they win the, uh, the medals, uh, but then they see the, the people smashing them up. Um, and Spike, yeah, so but Spike finds the people that stole it, 
um, but they kidnap him and uh, and and let uh, this they run away and let this truck loose and Mr T kind of does this jump on and 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 um, kind of drives it into the sea because he's can't break in time once he gets he jumps on the back of the truck gets to the front of the truck gets in it and it's on on the uh, jetty thing um uh, they go back and woody finds a clue uh, like a piece of paper with addresses on it and they all say that oh we're going to go and find this place but they leave the new guy out and then mr C- mr t says oh if you're gonna leave him out then you you woody you can come with me kind of thing um uh then they go to the castle um robin they find a baddies there but uh, robin um jumps on the baddies head and kind of like gets him in a grip but then falls falls off the roof um and then they have to um who i can't remember who rescues those two other people rescue her um meanwhile um mr t and woody are at this corporate event thing they're kind of this like this um ceremony and they have this kind of like this cake thing and he's like these like um women are supposed to come out and sing and stuff like that and it turns out it's these two metal stealer guys and they smash open these medals um and then they go to the they they see the um put the medal together and it has an address on it and they all decide to go to the the people that make the medal um and turns out that there's a film inside of the um and one of the medals i'm not entirely sure why to be honest but so they go to the medal makers the man's tied up like the guy that owns it um and the baddies come and f- uh they find they find out the spike is in a, in an arcade like a games arcade thing and when they find him he's like in um i think what's the dog's name dozer finds him right he's kind of sniffs yeah, him out and he's in a pinball machine yeah he's in a pinball machine and he knows where the baddies are going because he's overheard them in this thing. So they rescue Spike. Then they go to this um, boat kind of uh, pier thing where the boats are, the docks. And Mr. T jumps on the boat and they kind of foil the baddies plot. Um, who falls in the water? What's that girl's name that falls in the water? It's got to be Robin, no? No, I think it was... It might have been Kim then. Kim, yeah. Kim falls in the water and then Mr. T gets in the water because the sharks are coming and he like beats up the sharks with his bare hands. Just, like, you know, that's what you away. do though. If a shark's coming at you, you just got to level it with a punch and the shark will go away. Really? I don't know where I heard that or where I learned that from, but it's legit. Yeah. If you punch a shark in the face, it will leave you alone. I mean, I'll rather you, it's not one of so- those. No, but it's one of those where you just have to concentrate and you just got to give it all you got. Just right hand, just level, just level the shark, and it and it will back off. But it's got to be like one true punch, though. Obviously, you can't. It's one of them. You gotta take a step back, lean back. It's one of those lean back and just put all the strength in your arm and just yeah, smash it one. Yeah, that's that's literally what you have to do with a shark. Imagine like if you if you hit like a human being as hard as you can and they don't you know and they don't go down and you're expecting them to go down right. Imagine that like the fear in that moment in you and then the fear if you punched a shark and it didn't leave you alone. I mean, it would have had to have been a not a good punch. Yeah, 
But yeah, the 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 the, the consensus is that if you punch a shark in the face, it should leave if you it's alone. coming towards you, it should leave you alone. But right. yeah, don't don't take my word for it. Don't don't go swimming in some <laughs> choppy waters, y'all. I figured, oh, oh, he said I could go in and swim with the sharks and da, 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 da. like the shark will eat your ass. Like don't 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 yeah, don't play. This is like life threatening advice. So uh Cool. Right, so they follow the baddies plot. It turns out that the film inside the thing was like a game program worth millions. Uh, and then that's kind of the end. And then it says, don't, on like a, on the live action stuff, it says, don't write off the new kid on the block because you don't know what you might be missing. Treat new people with respect. So what was the next episode you watched? Series three, episode six, Cape Kennedy Caper. Oh, I watched the mystery of the black box. And then I watched the Cape Kennedy Caper. So the team are in Churchill, Manitoba, Canada. And they're there for like a a nice little uh, skiing break, but uh, the plane a plane just happens to crash right where they're skiing, and Mister T manages to retrieve the black box from the crash helicopter so that he can try and get um, information out of it. And there are some men who are trying to take the black box, but Mister T somehow gets away. But they end up catching up with him and taking the black box back. So he's going to the Mounties to try and get help, but they don't believe him. And they're just like, you know what? Yeah, whatever, mate. You know, what are you talking about on your bike? And so they're going to the scene, but the plane happens to not be there. And so the Mounties like, see, what I tell you, there's nothing to worry about. But then uh, Dozer manages to find a military watch that one of them, uh, one of them has. And so they decide to do some snooping. And so Mr. T, Jeff and Robin, they're going to the train station, but they end up getting intercepted. Woody, Kim and Spike are meeting an old man in the cabin. He tells them that obviously the Snow Raiders, who are the baddies, and that they're going to, um, they've got this like secret hideout place that they are going into. And so... They basically go to that um, hideout place, and in midst of all of this, Spike he gets trapped in ICC, but he doesn't want to ask for help because he doesn't want to be seen as a baby, and he's you know almost putting the whole operation at risk. And so the Snow Raiders go to the hotel, and they're like, "Oh, has Mister T come along?" And they're like, um, "Not yet, not yet." And they're like, "Oh, well, well, let us know." And then Woody, Kim, and Spike, they follow them to the place where they're they're hiding the black box and everything. And then Mr. T manages to catch up with them. And he manages to get the black the black box back and the, the baddies are arrested. And obviously the moral lesson of the episode was not being too proud to ask someone for help. Because obviously Spike was like, I don't want to be a baby. I want to be one of the lads. I want to do whatever and the moral of the story was that yeah you don't be too proud to ask someone for help so yeah the finale was the uh, cape kennedy caper yeah um, i actually enjoyed this episode there's lots of like things that i mean it's a cartoon but i mean they were they were they weren't they weren't, they weren't that up on their realism in this episode which uh, kind of bugged me a little bit suspend your disbelief it's a cartoon 
Yeah, but they were like they're moving. They were moving the rocket like two minutes before the launch and stuff. And I was like, "Come on, man. it's a cartoon." <laughs> um, so the uh, this one is called yeah Kennedy um, Cape Kennedy Caper. I looked at this one and wanted to watch it because it's Cape Kennedy, and I love kind of space stuff. And it said capers on it, so that was like everything. So it starts off. This is, starts off, and it's like this girl live action thing. This girl's kind of looking a bit shady, and then she goes into things, and she gets told off by Mister T because she's going for other people's stuff. Um, then it goes to the cartoon, and they're on the moon, and these meteorites come, but it's not really the moon; it's the practice moon, um, probably where they filmed the uh, moon landing. Ooh. Oh, controversial. Um, Moving on. So Woody goes to um, goes in Robin's bag to get the camera. He's like, "Hey, I'm gonna go," and then she goes like ballistic at him. She's like, "What are you doing? Don't go through my stuff. That's my bag, kind of thing." And I think there's a there's, a, there's kind of a rule anyway where you don't go through a woman's bag, be it your sister, wife, mother, or anyone else. You just <laughs> if they ask you to get something from the bag, you take the bag, you give them the bag, <laughs> um, and that's kind of the the rule. Major um, key alert. Major key alert. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Robin wants to take a photo of the space shuttle and bear in mind, this is like, what, 15 minutes to launch. They're like, yeah, I'm just gonna, you know, go on the, what was it like five mile exclusion zone? And anyway, yeah. So that she ends up like, she sees a sign saying unauthorized personnel, sorry, authorized personnel only. And she's like, oh, I'm just going to get up there and get a good shot. She's taking ages and uh, Mr. T goes and search for her and, um, they see some baddies taking pictures of like inside the cockpit for these launch code things that they're looking for. Um, and then the rocket transporter starts moving. And that's when I was like, nah, no, but, uh, that moves like weeks before and then doesn't move. And whilst the rockets on the launch pad, um, um, the Woody goes for strike two, um, uh, oh, so it basically, yeah, Woody goes in and gets asked, he goes, um, hey, Robin, I'm using your camera. So he doesn't just get it. He asks her, but doesn't wait for the answers. He's like, I'm just using your camera. And she goes mad again. And they go in the G4 simulator, but the baddie kind of breaks it. So the ba- the guys that was taking the pictures kind of sabotage this machine. So it goes around, but it won't stop. Um, and then um, Dozer follows the baddies who are taking the pics in the rocket again. And then Mr. T stops the G Force simulator with his legs. So he like literally like, oh, I got yeah, this. He's like <laughs> running. But they have to like pull the lever because I think the baddies initially had come in and yeah. they'd like snapped their levers and those had like clocked onto them. Yeah. So they had to open up the uh, control panel and put the thing together. And obviously he's on the thing running. <laughs> he's trying to stop it. And then eventually they get to him. Yeah. So they, they managed to fix it. Um, and the camera's gone. I think they whilst whilst they're in a G four simulator, the reason they wanted to keep it thing was because they could steal stuff from the locker whilst they were stuck in the machine. So they steal the camera because there's broke. I think earlier. Oh yeah, the the uh, transporter thing ran over their camera, so they need another one. So they so they go to the photo lab. Oh, they fit. So they figure out that the ca- the camera's gone, and they know that the baddies have got it, and they say, oh, they must be developing the photos. So they go to this photo lab that's on site, and. Bad, the, the baddies kind of put Robin on on the rocket and kind of lock up the door. Um, 
and in the warehouse they've got b- barrels full of acid and they've trapped dozer in a in a bag uh, and so mr t rescued dozer like kind of just comes in and like smashes the barrels out of the way and uses brute force to rescue dozer um they chase the woman um but they she traps mr t in a cage oh so they trap them all in a cage but they just literally bend he bends the bars to get out and then uh, he finds the baddies so he finds baddies and finds out where Robin is. And Mr. T climbs onto the rocket, tears the door off the rocket. And um, the others go to mission control to say, stop the launch. Uh, the baddies get arrested and they launch the rocket for real. Um, and the moral of the story in the live action was respect other people's property and they will respect yours. Yep. Yeah, so the point of the baddies was that they wanted to blow up the shuttle as soon as it reaches orbit. I don't know why they would want to do that, but uh, yeah, that was the uh, the aims of the uh, the terrorists. Um, so, what? Any last thoughts about this? No, I mean, I I only watched a couple of episodes. Maybe I would have warmed to it a little bit more if I'd have watched some more. But like I said, watching it with a two year old is somewhat difficult at times. So. It wasn't a bad cartoon. I enjoyed the little, the things that they were getting up to. Um, there wasn't much bad to say about this at all, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was just a standard 20-minute cartoon. I mean, I would have shaved probably five minutes off if that was me. But <laughs> Yeah, so you can see like Joe Ruby and Ken Spears had um, taken a lot from their uh, time at working for Hannah and Barbera, and they kind of took it on onto their own and they kind of did their own um, project. So I think it was quite successful. One thing I will say quickly, and this goes for all of the shows for today, like these celebrities doing their own voices in the um, thing was amazing, I thought. Yeah. Because you remember we saw that Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky and something else. Pro Stars. Yeah, and then Michael Jordan didn't have anything to do with it. It was just Wayne Wayne Gretzky and the other guy. Oh, um, Bo Jackson. Yeah, and... And yeah, Michael Jordan had his name up there, but he didn't do anything on it. I know. Can you believe that? <laughs> right. Let's go on now to Hammerman. And this came out in September 1991. <laughs> Look, we get new listeners all the time. So it is it is what it is. Obviously, I think we've done, what, maybe 200 shows. I reckon about a third of them have come out in September 1991. So uh, some of the things happening in the world, the singing revolution. So this is when the United States re-recognizes the independence of Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania and reopens its embassies there. And then four days later, the Soviet Union recognizes their independence. Oatsy the Iceman is found in the Alps. And the Huntington Library makes the Dead Sea Scrolls available to the public for the first time. I'm going to get these Dead Sea Scrolls. I'm getting them. They're mine. I want it. The Fisher King, of course, was in the cinemas. And uh, Motown Philly by Boys to Men was in the charts. This is arguably their most underrated song. Boys to Men are awesome. But Motown Philly is one of their most... I think it's one... I think, if not their most underrated song. There you go. So uh, Hammerman. So this was a Saturday morning cartoon starring rapper MC Hammer and produced by Deke Animation City and Italian company Retitalia. 
SPA in association with Spanish network Tele Cinco. So it stars youth centre worker Stanley Burrell, which is MC Hammer's real name. And he owns a pair of magical dancing shoes, which are alive and can speak, which when worn can cause Burrell to transform into the superhero Hammer Man. He frequently gets advice from his gramps, who was a former owner of the shoes and was known as Soul Man. While in the guise of Hammer Man, Burrell was dressed as MC Hammer's signature purple hammer pants and, and a myriad of golden chains. The show was hosted by the real MC Hammer, who also sang the show's theme song, telling about the original Hammer Man back in the 1960s and 70s. Gramps was the superhero soul man, but as he grew older, he grew weaker and was forced to retire. Gramps and his granddaughter Jody traveled to find the next superhero, and the search was over when they met Stanley and he put on the shoes. And each episode, Hammerman faced various social issues. And at the end of each episode, MC Hammer would speak to the audience and provide methods to address these issues themselves. Quick note on uh, MC Hammer. Do you know MC Hammer? I, f- I feel like I have to ask you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So obviously there's the You Can't Touch This um which is like the most famous song in our world. Good enough for me. You know MC Hammer. If you can name a song, then uh, there you go. I used to know so, all the words to it as well. That's <laughs> like the one. Like, I tell you what about that song. It's aged well. Yeah. I can listen to you. You can't touch this and not think, oh my god, this is so annoying. It's a it's a great song. I think I I over listened to it when I was like in my teens. But yeah, like you said, coming back to it now, it's like it's great. Obviously, it samples the Super Freak by Rick James. So the do 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 do. It's um from Super Freak by Rick James. I didn't know that. I have learned something new today. So yeah, he was born as Stanley Kirk Burrell in uh, March 1962. He was born in Oakland, California. His father was a professional poker player and gambling casino manager as well as warehouse supervisor. He grew up poor with his mother and eight siblings in a small apartment in East Oakland. He recalled that six children were crammed into a three-bedroom housing project apartment, or the projects. The Burrells would also frequent thoroughbred horse races, eventually becoming owners and winners of several graded stakes. Obviously, he's a rapper, dancer, record producer, and entrepreneur, who had his greatest commercial success and popularity from the late 80s until the early 90s. He was remembered for his rapid rise to fame and he is known for his hit records such as You Can't Touch This and Too Legit To Quit. And obviously he's known for his dance movements, choreography and eponymous hammer pants. My probably favourite MC Hammer song is Gaining Momentum. That is a banging tune. And uh, he's a multi-award winner and he's considered as a forefather, a pioneer and innovator of pop rap, incorporating elements of freestyle music and is the first hip-hop artist to achieve diamond status for an album. BET ranked Hammer as the number seven best dancer of all time. Love to know what the other six other rapping dancers were. And... Vibes, the best rapper ever tournament, declared him the 17th favourite of all time during the first round. 
and Hammer's popularity and success waned beginning in the mid-90s when he was labelled a sellout by the changing landscape of hip-hop music, leading to financial problems in later life, including bankruptcy in 1996. I think is how you were saying that how you knew all the words to uh, you can't touch this, and it might have actually have been uh, it might have actually been a problem because a lot obviously a lot of people are looking at him thinking, "Hey man, you're a sellout, man. You should be doing that gangster rap." And obviously, I think like yeah, but it's like um, them and was it Run Run DMC as well? So yeah. like MC Hammer, Run DMC, kind of like quite commercial, like more MC Hammer though. Yeah, um, definitely more because obviously with you can't touch this. It was one of the biggest songs in the world. You couldn't, you could not escape it. I think I even had the tape of it at home somewhere way back when, and it was one of those where because it was played to death, it got annoying very, very quickly. There was a point in life where you're like, oh my god, MC Hammer. There was that for the longest where people would see him as like some kind of a joke man yeah yeah and obviously for a lot obviously the 90s was when hip-hop and rap like it went to a whole different stratosphere and rappers were rapping about certain things and they were the way that the the hip-hop and the, the landscape was was completely different whereas mc hammer was like i'm gonna take this and i'm gonna bring it commercial i'm gonna like you said earlier, like the pop fruit, which was like yeah. way more like, you know. I mean, now it's normal. The pop rap scene now with Drake, with um, other stars today, where it's, 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 it's completely normal. But like back then, there was still kind of like um, a, a close ranks kind of where hip hop was hip hop. And we're going to we're going to stick to this. We're going to do like emceeing, boom bap things like that we're gonna kind of do our thing gangster rap close ranks we're you know we're not gonna necessarily make music and we're not gonna just appeal to the, the wider masses yeah. and make it popular and and i think that's what he kind of did and you see a lot of rappers now kind of taking that model on they're not necessarily going to turn down that mainstream and 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 do all of that and he became a preacher during the late 1990s with a Christian ministry program on TVN called MC Hammer and Friends. He has sold more than 50 million records worldwide. He has won three, he has won three Grammy Awards, one with Rick James and Alonzo Miller for Best Rhythm and Blues Song, Best Rap Solo, Best Music Video Long Form, taken from the Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him, the movie. He also received eight American Music Awards, a People's Choice Award, an NAACP Image Awards, and the Billboard Diamond Award, which was the first for a hip-hop artist. And yeah, like I said, I think his music aged fairly well. Like I, like I said, I was just, you can't touch this. I was just some of these songs. I think it aged pretty well, and I think it kind of, in 2020, it holds up. You can't touch this. It's a cracking tune. I'm not having anyone tell me, oh, it's so annoying. Like, I'm sure if they did, like, the top 100 most annoying songs, like, this one would be right up there, but it's it's not at all. So, um, that said, uh, let's talk about Hammerman the cartoon. Yeah, so this this cartoon I thought was... Like, it's, it's another cartoon that's very moral. Um, 
and it's obvious in its morals. So, you know, it's targeting kids that would, you know, possibly otherwise fall into a, um, uh, a you know, a bad situation, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's like it's targeting them very early. Like this is this is kid like quite a quite a young kids tv thing but definitely like um elementary school level for the americans and primary school for us but is that right was that was that, was that good i um, think so i think elementary um, and primary might be the same though yeah that's what i mean yeah um yeah yeah uh so yeah it it was it was good i enjoyed it i enjoyed the music i enjoyed like the um the the, the theme tune was incredible um mm, i uh, like the theme tune actually yeah i didn't mind it was so long yeah, exactly. And I was just, I was just listening to it, and it's, it's a really good start. And um, I kind of like the thing with the kids in the beginning, where he's sat on a step with kids. Again, I was impressed that it's him doing it as well. Yeah, like you know, these people that with, with a huge profile are actually doing these things. Um, when you when you could say like they're quite happy to sign their name on the dotted line and take the take the royalties from it, but no, he actually did it. And I checked the credits to make sure that he did. The voices and stuff as well but you, you can tell it's him anyway because of the music and stuff like that but uh, yeah i enjoyed the musical element to this i thought it was it added a lot to it um and it was funny it was like um it was quite engaging yeah i enjoyed this one okay so i did enjoy it i like the theme song i like the whole moral of the story but i thought I thought Deke, like they took the absolute mick with this cartoon. I thought it looked visually, I thought it looked awful. I'm looking at all of the cartoons that Deke have done, like the Karate Kid cartoon. I thought that was really good. It looked clean. It looked sharp. They've done Inspector Gadget. They've done the Care Bears. They've done uh, the Hurricanes that we've talked about. They've done um, Where's Wally or Where's Waldo, the Pro Stars cartoon that we were just talking about now, Sonic the Hedgehog. They've done, they've got like such a good list. They've even done the English version of Sailor Moon. Like they've got all this stuff and and they all look pretty nice, pretty clean, pretty slick. Like whereas this, it looked like someone drew it with a, a pen and a pad. And just coloured it in. I was like, "There you go, here's a here's a cartoon." I thought, "What the hell?" This, I didn't pay much attention to the visuals because it was um, so. I think the one I was watching certainly was um, someone's VHS. I mean, yeah, that's normal. But yeah, I mean, I I didn't clock, and you're you're, you're right. Maybe it was just one of those like lower urban budget. <laughs> yeah, cartoons, and I'm like, you know? at, in I'm thinking what ninety one. I think MC Hammer's like one of the biggest music stars in the game if you're gonna get him to do a program at least make it look good at least give it the budget you gave karate kid or the hurricanes or james bond jr or inspector gadget give 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 that budget he's he's he was a big star and i just thought it just it looked it it just didn't look good and that you can't even use the excuse of oh it's this is 91 it's not the same as as, as a graphic it's like well I've, I've seen cartoons in 91 that look and we've probably done it in september 1991 that look really really good whereas this 
I'm looking at that. I thought, no, nah, like they, they, they did hammer dirty on this one. Yeah, I didn't notice, but yeah, I couldn't not notice. It just, yeah, like obviously the 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 quality on YouTube might not be the best, but I'm not, I'm not expecting that. Obviously, so yeah, I mean, is it, is it, is it Deke's fault? Is it Telecinco's fault or the other Italian network? But like, like I said, like, I'm looking at that company. And they've they've done loads of stuff before and after Hammerman, but no, like they no, like they no, 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 no. This was this was not good in that in that respect. So uh, let's talk about episodes. I only watched two of these. Um, yeah, so I watched a couple as well. Um, so the first one, do you want to do the first one then? Yeah, I watched the pilot, which was uh, defeated graffiti. So. There was um, a library. It starts off, I think, with a library burning up and uh, a librarian's in trouble. And then Hammer Man, Hammer Man. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I was bopping along to this show. One thing I will say is, you know, those like singing girls who'd be like, the girl's in trouble. Why to save them? I thought they were so annoying. Yeah, they were annoying. But to be honest, I'd blank them out. I didn't even, they didn't even get a note. I couldn't, I couldn't get, I'm like, okay, leave. They just, they just come in the middle of a scene. Ooh, she's in trouble. And like, oh no, we have to find her. You gotta go find her. It's like, okay, stop it. I get it. But, um, and then yeah, Hammerman come to the rescue. I like that when he dances with his shoes, musical notes, they're like walking. That's what they're doing. They're carrying this big water thing and they tip it over to where the fire was. And then Stanley and uh, Gramps, they're heading off to the rec center, which I think is like a youth center for us in the UK. Rec center, recreational, I think that's what it stands for. And so everyone's basically trying to get Stanley's attention when he goes to the rec center. And Jody's going, oh, look, 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 Stanley, look at me, look at me, blah, blah, blah. And he's obviously like, look, I've got to try and fix this burst pipe. I've got to try and do this, got to try and do that. And obviously Jody's like, all right, fine, I'm just going to leave. And so she basically bumps into a guy and he's basically some graffiti guy. Did I get his name down? Uh, I didn't get the name of the boys down, but yeah, he's basically doing some graffiti. She kind of joins in. And so there's a baddie called Defacely Marmister. And he wants to recruit Jody to paint the town to kind of mess up Oaktown. Hammer and Gramps or Stanley at the time, they're worried about Jody. And obviously Grandpa's like, look, she's my granddaughter and she's got some problems. And Defacely is telling Jody, look, he loves a painting and he wants her to paint walls. And he says that they'll pay a hundred bucks for the job. Meanwhile, Hammer's shoes are playing cards in some kind of lockup somewhere because they're bored. And Stanley's trying to call the police using a change that um, Defacely gives him. But then Defacely gets him and he tries to turn him into art history. So he's basically trying to paint him. And so Jody realizes in the end that he's a crook. And so Hammer is trying to sing to try and get Gramps' attention, but he's not singing really, really well. And then Stanley turns into Hammerman and he defeats the graffiti guy. 
And so Jody is painting in the rec center and she says, you know what, we got to clean up the city. And obviously the moral of the lesson is, look, don't go tagging other people's property. Graffiti can be cool, but obviously if you're doing it illegally and you're doing it on someone else's property, then it's not right. Banksy. Um, right so I did so I watched there was this maybe watched the same one there was like three episodes all in one go I didn't watch that one oh okay I did okay so you can uh... Um, so the first one was that one that you just said Um, this one was next one I don't know what the episode was called but it was about a French French baddie Uh, and so this one was like um, it's a short French guy um and he's like got this kind of complex about being short and he's going a bit crazy and he wants to be tall so he can display his musical talents and he wants to outshine Rapolian yeah is that it, his it, name Rapolian i think his name was <laughs> and i was like i was like is this supposed to be napoleon obviously short french guy like kind of like joke of english kind of culture i guess um but yeah it's called Rapolian and i thought that's you know i thought it was quite funny um and he's always saying sacre bleu um, uh, and Stanley wants to. Stanley's watching basketball. Jodie wants to go out. She's not allowed to go out because she's not big. Um, it's, it's the night and it's dangerous, and she's kind of doing the whole "I wish I was big" kind of thing. Um, the baddie makes a potion to make him big. Needs one more ingredient. That's the hair of a musical superhero. So he goes to the basketball game and watches. Um, uh, so he caused a ruckus there. Jodie's watching the game on a portable TV in her bedroom. Um, Jodie sees the thing going on TV and she goes, oh, do you know what? I'm going to go prove to everyone that I'm a grown-up and I'm going to go help. Um, she goes to the baddie's hideout to try and um, stop it, but she has to climb on the outside. She falls and then she gets caught by the baddies. Like, what are you doing spying on this kind of thing? And then they start to relate to each other because she wants to be big, he wants to be big. And then he does this spray thing that turns everything small instead. So he sprays like the inside, spraying the whole city. So the whole city can fit on this kind of like cloche thing. And uh, then Jodie realizes he's a baddie. So she steals a helicopter, and manages to get the city off the baddie. Um, uh, they need the hair of a really short person to make them big. So Hammerman comes, even though he's little. Um, he manages to get the hair off the guy's head and then um, he captures Rapolian who goes to jail then tells off Jody saying you can't do that you're you're little and he says and Jody tells him it doesn't matter if he's short she Jody tells the guy Rapolian that it doesn't matter if you're short you can still be big you know like what you do is your actions that count and he says, oh, Jodie, you're growing up. And then she says, I don't want to grow up. I want to be a kid again. Being grown up is not what it's cracked up to be. And MC Hammer says, don't pick on, on other kids. Be friends with everyone. That's nice. Yeah. And he's saying like, you know, he says like some people might have wheelchairs. Some people might look different. But he says beauty's only skin deep. Get to know the real person before you start to judge them. Yeah. I watched an episode called Nobody's Perfect. So in this episode, yeah, it starts off with the shoes. They're cooking and they're trying to add shoe polish. And he's like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Like, don't add shoe polish to my food. 
So obviously, um, Stanley's mom is visiting and he wants to make a good impression. And he's come they're coming with his brother Maurice. And so there's a tanker truck, a tanker truck that's exploded on the Oakland Bridge, causing a lot of traffic. The bridge needs a and the bridge now needs a new suspension and it's held together by rope. And Stanley's rushing to meet his mom and Maurice and they were waiting for him because they're like, oh, he's late again. Typical. So he's going inside and he doesn't realize they're outside. So he's like, oh, I didn't realize you guys were outside. So they come in. So he burns the dinner. And Maurice then makes lasagna. And obviously the kind of backdrop is that Maurice is this intelligent guy who knows everything. And he kind of, he's like rubbing it in um, Stanley's face. So they decide to go to the rec center. Jody's making a mess and everyone's thinking, oh, no, 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 what's going on? And so Maurice ends up making a robot called Creepo. And the robot goes out of control and tries to throw Stanley's mum into some kind of crash chute. And Maurice somehow gets the deactivation code and saves his mum. And then the robot is still out of control and he's basically crashing everything. And Stanley helps Ben White. I'm not really sure about that. And so obviously the robot is like robot going, I'm a robot, I want perfection. So the robot's just basically causing a madness. And Hammer ends up saving everybody and he ends up turning off the robot and he wants to show his mom, look, I can take care of myself. I can kind of be a responsible human being. And he shows like his mum the rec center and he's and they and they basically all see how hard he works and obviously his mum was like look i'm never worried about you you always seem to know what you're doing you always seem confident and even maurice was like yeah i look up to you man like you're my bro and i admire what you do and obviously you've done a lot with the rec center and you've helped out all the kids and yeah this was a quite a nice episode no, so um, I watched one more, um, which was the Spying Eye Dog, um, and it's spying on Hammerman. Um, oh, this one's called Winnie's Winner. So, um, um, so basically, um, there's this dog. The baddies, so three escape baddies, like the, the the one from the first episode, and a couple more baddies escape from jail, and they steal this dog and they put it on Hammerman's doorstep. So, um, and it's got a mic, uh, kind of a bug in the, uh, in the collar of this dog. So they want to find out where he's going to be and how they, how can they find him? Um, so the, the dog goes into the changing room of, um, where Stanley and Gramps are and, um, they're kind of talking and the, uh, the baddies are trying to set a trap so they can wreak havoc. The dog steals the shoes and buries the shoes, but Stanley finds them. Um, Stanley tells Winnie about the dog being a pain in the neck i think um they hear the hammer man saying there's going to be um so someone comes in and says there's an emergency uh says oh this these boys are trapped and the roof's going to cave in on this building uh and they so they over the baddies over here hammer man say there's going to be an emergency and they know exactly where he's going to be so when they um 
when they get there, he rescues the boys, but they um, they capture him and put him on this mind control thing. And they put him in a cell with like kind of lead shoes on, which are bolted to the floor, and um, this mind control device just like in his face. Uh, the goodies find the mic on the dog's collar after finding like how did they know they was going to be there, um, and to to kind of counteract the um, the uh, the mind control. Um, Hammerman's kind of rapping to like to, to to keep his mind sharp, sort of thing. Um, and then when he comes with the dog to the um, uh, to the baddies place, he says, "Oh, you, he's kind of good, good at tracking." So he's like, "Oh, you can find find them." Uh, they go to the baddies' hideout. The dog knocks over the baddies to begin with, um, just by running into him because he's clumsy. Um, then when he goes and lets uh, Hammerman out. Um, and, um, she managed to steal one of Hammerman's shoes, but the dog steals it from her. And then Hammerman gets his shoe back, uses powers to capture all the baddies. Dog is now a police dog. And the moral of the story is be good to all animals. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, yeah, I mean. It was, it was, it was, it was fine. I mean, obviously the 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 blemish being the the low budget, the visuals or lack of visuals, but um, and yeah, it being very very low budget for someone who was one of the biggest music stars in the world. But um, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, that being said, I mean, I do like, I did like the the content. The content was good. Like the, I liked the moral of the story thing, and I liked the the kind of musical element to it i really enjoyed that part of it i thought it was very different um yeah it's good yeah okay so uh we're finally coming on to mike tyson mysteries <laughs> oh goodness me so we're going back to october 2014 could be the uh, youngest show that we've covered some of the things happening in the world Sadly, French Formula One driver Jules Bianchi collides with a recovery vehicle during the Japanese Grand Prix and he dies 10 months later. The first Formula One death due to a racing accident in 21 years after Ayrton Senna. Malala Yousafzai and Kailash Satyarthi win the 2014 Nobel Peace Prize. Joko Widodo becomes president of Indonesia. Gone Girl was in the cinemas and John Legend All of Me was in the charts really sad news with um, John Legend and Chrissy Teigen she lost her baby was that very recently in the news very re- it was the other day wasn't it yeah I read about that um, yeah tragic really really sad so um, thoughts thoughts to them and uh, okay so uh we're going on now to Mike Tyson Mysteries. So this was a American adult, underline adult, animated television series and the first to be produced by Warner Bros. Animation for Adult Swim. The series features Mike Tyson solving mysteries in the style of I Am The Greatest, The Adventures of Muhammad Ali, Scooby-Doo, Johnny Quest and Mr. T. But you never thought I'd say Johnny Quest and Mike Tyson in the same uh, group, huh? Yeah, definitely not. He's bashing up Johnny Quest. 
Well, you're a hater anyway, so uh, <laughs> leave it at that. It follows the, yeah, the fictional misadventures of boxer Mike Tyson, the ghost of Marquise of Queensbury, Tyson's adopted daughter and an alcoholic talking pigeon as they solve mysteries around the world. The style of the show borrows heavily from the 1983 Ruby Spears-produced Mr. T, featuring actor-wrestler Mr. T, as well as 1970s Hanna-Barbera productions such as Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, and The Funky Phantom. It's targeted at a much older demographic than those children-oriented cartoons. The show contains adult languages and concepts in the manner of Family Guy, South Park, and many other adult swim cartoons. While each episode involves a mystery as a framing device, they are often ignored entirely, while the plot takes a completely different and often oddball direction. As the mysteries are rarely solved, and episodes sometimes end on cliffhangers that are never solved. The series has received mostly positive reviews from critics. The show currently holds an 82% rating on Rotten Tomatoes based on 11 reviews, with its consensus being a dizzying world of lowbrow and high concept. Mike Tyson mysteries should more than satisfy fans of Adult Swim's signature blend of animated silliness. On Metacritic, the show has a score of 75 out of 100 based on six reviews, indicating generally favorable reviews. So, yeah, just a quick rundown on the main characters. Mike Tyson, obviously, a retired boxer who now solves mysteries. He's portrayed as being wildly out of touch with reality, confusing a chess grandmaster with the Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan or Elon Musk with Elton John, thinking a binary code spells out ooh, and eating junk food without realizing he's on a diet. He has a reputation for doing unusual things like taking an oatmeal bath with cooked oatmeal, owning a pet grizzly bear, and using mosquitoes to help him sleep, along with pronouncing names of many other characters incorrectly, even by calling his own daughter Yang or Yi instead of Young Pigeon, who's an alcoholic, sarcastic pigeon. He's a former human who was turned into a pigeon by his ex-wife as a curse for cheating on her. His real name is revealed to be Richard, although everyone still calls him Pigeon. Pigeon is disliked by Marquise and Young, but Tyson is seemingly oblivious to his obnoxious nature. Pigeon is Young's biological father. <laughs> From a one-night stand, although Pigeon keeps this information to himself after observing how close Mike and Young are. Young He Tyson, who's Mike's adopted daughter, she was left by her birth mother on Mike's doorstep when she was a baby. A running gag in the series is Young being repeatedly mistaken for a boy. The Marquess of Queensbury is the deceased real-life father of modern boxing. The Marquess of Queensbury is an alcoholic, narcissistic and flamboyant ghost who provides Mike with intellectual advice. The Marquess portion of his name is pronounced Marcus and rendered as if it is his actual name instead of a title. Whew. Okay, so 
Say something. This show was a pleasant surprise. I'm not going to lie. So you don't say. So you know, I was kind of watching this, and luckily, I was watching this by myself and at night. Oh yeah. And I was a bit like, <laughs> I was the pigeon said something and or, or did something, and I was a bit like, oh, oh, what's he saying? He just said it again. Oh my god. <laughs> and then and then I kind of like was like getting the the kind of adult themes in the stuff and um like there's a part in i think one of the episodes i watched where it's like um has anyone done any drugs here and then there's like no no and then the pigeon's like yeah i did a little bit of coke <laughs> it's just like it's things like that and it's just it it's very like you said it's kind of lowbrow humor but it's it was kind of like um refreshing because you didn't have to think about it it's just like this short 10 minute episodes that are just like yeah it was really short wasn't it yeah and and like you said one of my favorite things about this was um how it had the mystery had nothing to do with the storyline it just went off on this weird tangent and yeah and maybe they it was loosely related to it but but uh yeah i kind of enjoyed that i like that it was like it knew what it was and it knew what it wasn't and it just was so light and so easy to watch. Yeah. Uh, Parental advisory and of course. explicit lyrics and all that jazz, but yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually trying to think, is this more outrageous than Dynamite? Dynamite! It's definitely not more, and it's definitely it's cleaner in terms of the visuals as well. Like, there's It's not like anime blood and stuff like that in it, so... Uh, like yeah, that was that was worse than this, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I when I think about like Black Dynamite, yeah, actually, yeah, that that was that that is is still one of the the damnedest things that we've ever done on this uh, pod. Maybe I should do that for the next top five, top five damnedest shows we've ever done. <laughs> It'd be this uh, one, and it would be. Uh, Dynamite, dynamite! Oh, right. Let's uh, let's talk about episodes. Uh, right. So I, I only watched three of these, but um, I watched three the, as well. Episode called "The End." Yeah, that was the pilot. Oh my god, there was a couple of lines in this episode was made me howl with laughter. Uh, if you've got lines written down, you definitely do the lines because I've kind of just got a brief. Into no, because obviously, yeah, it obviously starts with them um, in the thing, and obviously, pigeon wants to turn back to human, but obviously, she was like, "You deserve to be a pigeon because you're a cheating git, basically." And young wants to find out why her mum left her, and so the pigeon's like, "Oh, I could tell you because she didn't want you." There you go. <laughs> <laughs> just as like as a matter of fact she didn't want you and then obviously she's trying to go to college but obviously mike is he's trying to put her off because he doesn't want his daughter going to college and yeah so it, it just kind of starts with with that and then they get a, a letter and they have to help a writer you have to help a, an author write an ending to his book and they have to go to Cormac McCarthy's ranch. And yeah, so they are obviously it takes a turn with the, the chupacabra attacking the horses. And I like how they'll say, oh, how do you pronounce Pulitzer? And obviously the Marquess is like, oh, you pronounce it like this. 
And obviously the pigeon sees a maid that's there and he's like, oh my God, she reminds me of my ex-wife. And he just takes like a drink or whatever, throws the cup away. The Pulitzer rolls into the fire and he's saying, oh, so Marquez, is it the Pulitzer's burning or the Pulitzer that's burning? That line as well made me laugh as well. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, so we know that um, Tyson, he doesn't want his daughter going to college. He doesn't want to lose her. He doesn't want to lose the dynamic of the group. The Chubacabra kills Raphael and he ends up being a ghost. And yeah, so Tyson, he faces off against the Chubacabra. He low blows it. And then there's a horse that's dressed as Cormac kicks him. And we find out that Cormac has already written the ending. So yeah. it was Raphael that sends the letter. Yeah, he just wanted to see if he could write like um, um, McCarthy. And he said, I can, and that's good. And that was the whole point of the story. Um, <laughs> and it just ends, doesn't it? Abruptly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but I think that's deliberate, obviously, isn't it? The 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 abrupt ending. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the next episode I watched was Series 2, Episode 1, I think. So this one starts off and it's kind of a murder scene. And it's like the um, the girl and the ghost are tied up. Young it's and Marcus. Young and Marcus are tied up. There's blood everywhere, um, and the pigeons in the in the oven. <laughs> and it turns out that it's, um, uh, someone spilt the soup, and um, the, the what's the ghost called again? Marquez of Queensbury. Mar- Marquez and Young are doing. A, he was trying to show her a magic trick, and that's why they're tied up. Um, and the pigeons in the oven because he's trying to commit suicide. <laughs> What he's the hell? The he's turned the gas on. He's just laying there with his claws up in the air on the pan. And then someone turns it off and, he's, and he opens the door up again and just turns it back on and closes it up. Um, <laughs> it's like, it's visually hilarious, this little moment. Um, uh, and there's a mystery comes in about this car noise. And that's what another thing I like. It's not like, oh, someone's so disappeared. And <laughs> this woman has. She's got her thing, and it's she made, her car's making a weird noise, and and every time she takes it to the mechanic, it stops making the noise. So she's gone to Mike Tyson to figure it out. Um, and she's got to pick the kids up, and she's kind of this like mom, and she's struggling, and like, she's got a lot to do and stuff. And um, so they go to um, you know, take the kids to the gymnastics, and then uh, Tyson goes with her mum to check the noise out and it starts making this noise and he rips the thing off and it turns out to be a gnome that's that's trapped inside the dashboard uh, and then they're like and he takes the gnome out and he kind of puts the gnome down he says I was I was um kind of protecting you but then a dog came and had to hide in the car and I got stuck and then um um when they're all chatting about it saying what happened and this the gnome's on the floor and a dog escapes from the house and eats the gnome and like rips it to pieces and then um and they're all talking about oh yeah it's really good and now he's gonna protect the house again and the pigeon says uh, yeah i don't know if you know this but whilst we're all talking the the, the dog at the gnome and it just ends uh, um so the next episode i watched was series three episode one i watched series two episode 12 unresolved situation so the pigeons stop bringing in mysteries so Mike's thinking, you know what? I think we might have solved all the mysteries in the world. And he disbands the team. Yeah, under the belief that they've done that. So Young is now going to college. 
Mike sends Marquise to go and live with Larry Holmes because apparently Larry Holmes has got loads of problems. And as a goodbye present, he gets the more margarita machines. He's like, oh, I'm famous, so I get loads of stuff for free and I get loads of margarita machines. And Tyson's laying on the street and he's like, you know what? I'm done with this earth. I've done all that I've can. He's lying on the street thinking that car's going to run him over. And then he gets basically bird droppings on him or pigeon droppings. So he's like, oh, oh, come back, come back, come back. And then he's going and he's following the pigeon and it, it leads him to Snoop Dogg's house. And so he goes to Snoop Dogg's house and Snoop, and he realizes that Snoop Dogg has got his own kind of investigating thing, but it's called unresolved situation. So he resolves unresolved situations. And Snoop's got his own team. He's got uh, Ross Matthews, a mountain lion, and a really, really smart kid who does like all the calculations. And Mike is like, oh, have you got your own team? And he's basically like, oh, no, 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 no. We haven't. We haven't. And he's like, are we cool? And then Mike's like, yeah, yeah, we cool. And then he realizes that he's not cool. And so he's going to... um, Snoop, and so basically, what happens is one of Snoop Dogg's team disappears, and so he asks Mike to un- to resolve this unresolved situation. So Mike gets the team back together. I like that he's uh, the Marquise was going to Larry Holmes's house, and Larry Holmes is like, "What are you doing here?" And he goes, "Oh, Mike Tyson sent me to live with you because you might be in trouble." And he's like, "I'm not in trouble." He's like, "You know, get the bleep out of here," and so. Mike Tyson goes to pick him up and so he picks up everybody and you know how like we always tease in cartoons <sighs> how we always say oh I bet the lion is going to eat someone I bet the lion's going to eat someone <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> and basically what happens to the kid is that the lion eats him <laughs> and they're like, oh, we, 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 let's go check in the mountain lion's room. And you can see like the mountain lion just covered in blood. And you can see the little boy there. And then the pigeon just basically shoots the, the mountain lion. He goes, yeah, this was... Once he starts to get scent of humans, it's over. And yeah, it just ends like that. I love these episodes. Right? So my final episode was... They're talking about... Uh, they're talking to a, a fireman. And or a policeman, and they're saying, um, it turns out there's a fire in in a previous episode, and they're like, oh, it was in the last episode of the last series, and they're like, no, it wasn't. In the last episode, we did this, and he's like, and then um, Mike's like, I don't know what episode you aired it in, but this is what I, how it happened to me. And it turns out he said, who started the fire? And he says, God started the fire. He said he struck a demon with lightning, and it started the fire. And then that's when the policeman goes, oh, has anyone been on drugs? And they're like, no. And then the <laughs> the pigeon's like, I did a little bit of coke. Um, so they, they, they go and stay in the agent's house and their, sorry, Mike's agent's house is called DZ and, and he lives in squalor uh, and they're all kind of like, oh, I don't want to stay here. So they try and go to Mike's brother's house. Um, he's a nerd, but he's an astrophysicist, apparently really famous. I think it's real, this person. Um, but his brother won't let him stay, so there's absolutely no way. So they have to sleep in the van and Mike gets cold. So he says, I'm going to sleep in his garage and he opens the garage door goes in the garage of the car and then closes it again. He's like, oh, I'm still cold. I'm going to turn on the engine. And it creates like a kind of carbon monoxide chamber. And 
Deezy's cat's in the van because it escaped from his house. Um, and then Deezy calls calls him and um, the cat kind of answers the phone and he kind of does this really funny, like, figures out basically where he is because of the noises and the garbage trucks are outside and stuff. Um, and then he and then he said, um, oh, you guys can come stay with me. It doesn't matter. And they're like, okay, let's go and stay with him. And then meanwhile, Mike's wallet falls out of... Um, the uh out of his pocket and that's why that they weren't staying in a hotel is because they thought his wallet was inside the burning house and dc's kind of like cuts to dc's kind he's like oh um it's good that these people are staying because um I, it's going to get me out of this depression and this funk that i'm in and i can feel the fog lifting and then in meanwhile in the car behind the saying oh look the wallet should we go and stay in the four seasons hotel and they're like yeah and so he's like oh i'm really looking for these people <laughs> people staying with me it's gonna make me feel much better and you see in his like rear view you just see the car turn off the road so they're not following him anymore uh and then it ends it's great brilliant ending <laughs> okay so the last episode i watched um oh my it, it just when i thought this couldn't get even more outrageous so basically um how does it even where do I even begin with this episode? So uh the prince of uh somewhere in the Middle East, he has got a enlarged prostate. And so he doesn't want doctors to fix him, he wants Mike Tyson to fix him. And so they're basically thinking, all right, we have to go to the Middle East. And Marquise is dressing up as the Egyptian goddess Isis. And everybody thinks that he keeps saying Isis. So he goes, oh, I love Isis. Don't you love Isis? And everyone's like, no, are you crazy? And he's like, oh, whatever. And he's dressing up in fancy costume or whatever. And he's going to the middle and they're all in the Middle East. And they, they arrive in Dubai. And I love that there's all these rules and regulations. And they're like, oh, you can't swear. No profanities. And Mike Tyson's like, oh, no shit. And so they're like, and they're like, stop swearing. He goes, oh, 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 my bad, my bad. I'm not, I'm not going to swear again. And so they're talking to the prince. And they were like, yeah, basically, we don't know how to fix you. You might have cancer. Like, we can't help you. And so basically there's a, a bidet and the pigeon is like, oh my God, I love the bidet. Look at me. I'm clean. I'm clean. And then everyone's just like staring at him and he's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and Marquez is basically going around going, oh, I love ISIS and all this stuff. And then basically a guy in a cab is like, did you say you like ISIS? And Marquez is like, yeah don't you and so the man was like yeah you better come with me and so he basically gets kidnapped and they basically put a, a bomb on him going oh if you like isis so much then what you might do is take this bomb and go and blow up blow up the joint where the prince is staying and so mike tyson mike tyson's like i'm gonna build a little machine and i'm gonna go inside your prostate and i'm gonna try and shrink it if i'm like yeah and so he's inside or whatever and so marcus comes back and he goes did you guys not know where i've been and they're like eh, whatever and he's like i've been kidnapped 
by this horrible group called ISIS. I didn't know how bad they were. And they were like, are you kidding me? We, we told you how bad they were, you idiot. And so he's going around and then it, Mike Tyson being inside and, and he's saying, oh, okay, I press this button and then it shrinks it. And if you press the other one, it enlarges. And so he accidentally presses the button that enlarges. And so the whole thing just kind of blows up and then it finishes. <laughs> Brilliant. Which basically summed up that cartoon. Honestly, it was... Yeah. The damnedest thing I've ever seen. It was great, man. Like, it was, like I said, it was just kind of a nice, refreshing, kind of easy to watch and funny thing. Yeah, like the, the pigeon just cracked me up. Yeah, it, by far the best character. Yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, would... And it's like I texted you yesterday. It's the, it's the dog from uh, Dr. Doolittle. It took, it, it's, it's driving me crazy trying to figure out what, who his voice was. Oh, my God. Okay, so uh, let's rank these shows now from uh, three down to one. Uh, three well, for me was Mr. T's um mr t uh two was Hammerman, and one was um mike tyson's mysteries oh wow wow you went with the new new well because i'm an old school head my uh top three is Hammerman at three Mike Tyson Mysteries at two and mr t was my number one i went with the oldest show yeah, it's the one that made the least impression on me, I think. Um, really? I, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed the music stuff of uh, Hammerman. And I yeah. think that because um, other than actually having Mr. T in it, the Mr. T cartoon was quite standard. Um, do you know what I mean? Like it, it, it could have been easily any other cartoon without Mr. T. Um, so I think that the other two... I mean, Mike Tyson's mysteries had nothing to do with Mike Tyson, but I think it, it ha- added so much having Mike Tyson in it. It was incredible. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so... I think all three shows were good, though. Absolutely, completely All agree. three shows. And I think they were all very similar in the sense that there are obviously famous people, so Mike Tyson, MC Hammer, and Mr. T obviously excelled in their professions and they kind of took on this cartoon where they're helping people and solving mysteries. And yeah... And obviously, Mike Tyson might not be a uh, retired boxer for much longer as he's coming out of retirement for the Roy Jones Jr. Um, exhibition belt. Didn't that get cancelled? Oh, uh, don't tell me this because I'll cry otherwise. I could have sworn I read that it was going to get cancelled or it's I not didn't, happening. I didn't read that it was cancelled yet, so I'm going to say this is happening. I'll take your word for it, but obviously, because I'm on the socials and... Uh... Yeah, I'm not. I I think I saw somewhere where they were saying that it might not happen. So, um, no, yeah, three really good shows. And, yeah, it was another strong Black History Month episode. And, yeah, it'd be a good place to bring it to an end. Uh, big hello to listeners from Ireland. I was wondering when you guys were going to jump on the... The Capers bandwagon, and y'all finally did. So, uh, top of the morning to you all, and uh, thank you for listening. Um, yeah, yesterday's Capers is available wherever you get your uh, podcasts from. 
So it don't matter where you are around the world, if you have podcast platform capabilities, then you should be able to find yesterday's capers. And we're also on socials at facebook.com forward slash yesterday's capers. It's on Instagram, it's yesterday's capers one. On Twitter, it's yesterday capers. Also, we are on, uh, I'm on the socials on Instagram at Abdullah underscore Molim. Twitter, it's Abdullah Molim, all one word. Give me a holler, give me a shout. Like, share, subscribe yesterday's capers and let us know what you think. And join us next time for another episode of Yesterday's Capers.